Good morning. It's good to see you. If it's your first week here, uh, we're glad you're here. We're in the middle of a, of a short series of sermons uh, through the book of James. James is in the almost the very back of your Bible, uh, Revelation, and then a few books in, little books in, and James is right there, uh, and the very towards the very end. James was written by uh, <clears throat> by Jesus' uh, brother, and uh, and even though he was Jesus' brother, he was not like the main dude in the church. He was just a guy, and he introduces himself in that letter as just another servant, another slave, just trying to do the best he can, uh, like the rest of you. Um, and a lot of James's uh, stuff, if we've been going through it, has been just common sense wisdom. Uh, the first week we talked about how we all have to go through trials, but that God has promised to take care of us in those trials and to, and to help us to get through those trials. And then if we do go through the trials, we'll come out on the other side stronger. And then last week we talked about how some of the trials look a lot like temptations. And they're temptations to do the wrong thing. And even there, if we'll hold on to God and resist that, that, that call, that siren's call sometime to go do the other thing, that God's going to take us there. But this week, uh, it kind of shifts focus a little. He's still on the idea of li- living a different kind of life, of, of on purpose putting what Tom said, a little less of me, a little more of you, God. There, that's still some of the flow. But, but this week, he's going to talk a little bit more about some common sense stuff that we all need to know about just how we relate to one another. And I'm just going to focus on three verses. It won't be a lot of, of reading today, just something really kind of simple to focus on. And it's how we relate. I, I read a, a thing this week, uh, a researcher named William Miniger uh, found that 80% of the people who get fired in America at least, that's where the survey was done, 80% of the ones who get fired don't get fired because of technical incompetence. They know how to do the job. Instead, they get fired because of relational or emotional incompetence. They just can't talk to other people, or they're always mad, or they're always uh, starting fires that the boss has to put out, or they're just not cooperative, or, they, or, they're, or they're late, you know, and they, they take advantage. It's not about their know-how about the job. It's about how they relate to others and their emotional health and how they respond to others and, and all that. 80%, and that in a way seems kind of high to me. It's hard to believe that that's true until I start thinking about my own experience in the workforce and other people that I've had to work with sometimes who, who, who did get fired. And yeah, that's probably true. Most of the time when a person gets fired, it's not because they're not smart enough to do the job. It's because of how they connect with other people and how they relate to other people. And, 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 uh, and I think it's the kind of thing that all of us could get better at. I mean, all of us could improve at. And, and if we could be better at relating with one another, better at connecting with one another, it would have to bless our families and our kids and, our, and even our jobs at, at work. And the stuff that James is talking about this week is all about that. It really is hitting on that, that nerve over and over again. So I'm just going to do three verses, like I said. Uh, the first one, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to do verse 121, then I'm going to skip back and hit 19 and 20. Because I kind of think 20, 21 kind of uh, uh, reinforces. and Anyway, it all works together. Just, just hang with me. In verse 21, he says, Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which will save you. That last part is such a cool idea. Humbly accept the word planted in you, because it can save. Humbly accept it. Uh, uh, humble's a hard thing for any one of us. Most of us have a hard time uh, humbly accepting anything. 
And, and yet this verse says that really is the trick. If you want to, to be the person that God wants you to be, you're going to need to learn to do that. I remember talking to somebody that I worked with at a, in a different church several years ago. It was an associate that we had hired, and, and, he, and he wasn't doing a very good job. And part of the reason he wasn't doing a job was this relational stuff we're talking about. And so I would tell him, well, hey, you need to start thinking about doing it this way. And every time I would say anything to him about it, well, I know. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, he'd say, trying to cut me off, make the conversation go faster. And after about the fourth time he did it, it's like, well, obviously you don't know, or we, we, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. So just shut up and listen to me as I tell you what you need to do different, which may be a relational downfalling on my part as I think about it now looking back, back at it. But, it. but it caught his attention. I mean, we all like to pretend like, okay, yeah, 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 I know. Okay, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. But most of us don't got it. You know, if everybody got it, then we wouldn't have divorces. If everybody got it, we wouldn't have kids and parents getting separated from one another. If everybody got it, well, nobody would ever get fired. Everything would just work out, right? So, so it appears that there's some things in us that we don't got. There's some things in us that, 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 that aren't totally working out. So we need to humbly accept the word of truth. It saves. And again, because he's saying the word of truth, the word here, and it's, it's about truth and about uh, getting rid of moral filth and evil, about goodness, right, the word of goodness, because it's about all those kinds of things, it's about being like Jesus. And so everything I'm going to tell you today, even though it's common sense kind of proverb stuff, it, it all goes back to Jesus. It's just being like him. And when you humbly accept that, and it's, it's what Tom said. I mean, I'm really just bouncing off of what Tom said earlier. When we, when we humbly accept the idea that we need a little more God and a little less of our own instinct in this thing, then our life's going to start going smoother. Jesus' way is better. And according to this verse, Jesus' way will save you. I mean, when you learn to live that way, it actually makes you the right kind of person. And, and you can't help but spread uh, the truth uh, without even being mean to. In, in uh, the year 300, uh, it's a long time ago, in the year 360, uh, Emperor uh, Julian uh, became the new emperor of Rome. His, his, uh, his, his father, or, 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 or Father Constantine, had made the whole empire Christian. He had become a Christian, and he made Christianity the, the religion of the Roman Empire. But, but, but Julian, because of how he had been treated growing up, his, his own dad had died. Or his, so his constant was kind of a stepdad. And because his own dad had died, and because his own, a lot of, a lot of uh, messed around and put into different adoptive homes, and, and uh, real bitter. I mean, he was raised by, by a Christian uh, who was really strict on him all the time and got real bitter about Christianity. And so when Julian became emperor, he said, we need to go back to the old ways, the old Roman ways, and get rid of this Jesus stuff and, and go back to how we used to be. But he was frustrated by it because uh, as he elevated all the idol temples, as he elevated all the idol worship that had been in place just 100 years or so before that, well, it wasn't working. People weren't going back to it. And so Julian wrote a letter um, to the priests, and he said, we've got to start taking care of the poor. We've got to start reaching out to people who are broken. That's how the Christians are doing it. That's why they're growing. We've got to start doing that too. And, and in the letter, he says, how apparent it is to everyone and how shameful that our own people lack support from us when no Jew ever has to beg. And the impious Galileans, that's the Christians, they support not only their own poor, but ours as well. And so Julian was telling him, we got to get back to, how, to our roots, you know, get serving the poor. But the Roman roots weren't serving the poor. That's a Jesus invention. Um, and and it, it bleeds into everything so much it's hard to even imagine. 
When you see a, a politician in Washington saying, we've got to get better about taking care of the immigrant. We've got to get better at taking care of the, of the poor. Even on the abortion argument, on both sides, the argument is framed as, we've got to take care of, on the pro-abortion side, we've got to take care of the woman who's in trouble. We've got to take care of the woman who's in a bad situation. On the, on the pro-life side, it's more, we've got to take care of that infant who is so helpless. In either case, we've got to take care of the weak. And that's a distinctly Christian idea. Jesus has so infected our national discourse. Zeus didn't believe that. Caesar didn't believe that. None of the ancient religions believed that. And truthfully, a lot of the religions outside of Christianity still don't believe that. That's strictly a Jesus idea. We have so incorporated Jesus ideas into us that even people who don't like Jesus will use Jesus logic to get there. This, this uh, word planted in us, when we learn to live his way, it takes us someplace. I could go on with that more, but that's not really my point today. So here, just going to focus on a couple more verses. It's all right here in this slide. This will be our last slide uh, today, just a couple of slides. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. One quick, uh, two slows. Uh, we need to be better about, about listening real fast, slower about speaking, and, and slower about getting angry. Uh, so let's think about that for a second, because it's all the way of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was slow to speak. Uh, in spite of the fact that he was a teacher, in spite of the fact that he was uh, constantly uh, pushing uh, his agenda, and he had an agenda, Jesus more often wanted to listen to people. In fact, uh, if you think about this thing, uh, uh, you can maybe in your head get a number. In, in the Bible, how many times did Jesus ask questions? Uh, well, more than 300 more than 300 times he asked questions. In fact, more often than not, when people asked Jesus a question, he would ask them a question right back. Uh, Jesus was interested in hearing what they had to say. And which is curious, if you think about it, because Jesus, being God, probably had a good idea of what they were going to say ahead of time. If you've ever had that conversation, like you're in an argument with somebody and you're arguing, and the argument's getting kind of heated, and before the other person's even quit talking, you already know what you're going to say back. In fact, you're preparing what you're going to say back while they're still rambling on about something, because you want to get your words in there fast as you can. And Jesus never really did that. He was quick to listen. He was quick to listen. God is, is quick to listen. You know, if you think about it, when we pray for anything, why does God want us to pray? He already knows what we're going to ask. He already knows what we want. So why does God want us to pray then? Because he wants to connect with us. And that can only be done if he listens. On a completely, it's, it's related, but it's, it's not just a different angle of it, looking at the same thing. Jesus went to a funeral once. And he went to the funeral with the intention of raising the person who had died back, bringing them back out of the grave. He went to the, told people ahead of time, I'm going to go to this funeral and we're going to bring that guy back. Told his disciples to look for it. And when they get to the funeral, he talks to the, the, the sisters of the guy who had died. He, he, he says, it mentions that he's friends with all of them. He talks to the sisters and both the sisters say, you know, where were you, Jesus? We sent you word. We told you our brother was sick and you didn't come. Where, where were you? 
And Mary, in fact, is so cries so much that, that she can't really hardly even talk to him. She just stands there weeping in front of him. And it says that Jesus looks at the crowd, and then there's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. It's right there in the middle of everything else. And Jesus starts to cry. And it's a curious thing to me and how I'm wired, because uh, I would not have cried there. If I went to a funeral and I knew when I walked in the back door, I was going to touch the casket and that person was going to come back, I wouldn't cry at all. Would you? I mean, I wouldn't cry. I'd walk in there, dry that up, Bishop, watch this, and I'd go touch the casket, right? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry at all. So why does Jesus cry? He knows what he's going to do. He's already told him what he's going to do, told some of his guys what he's going to do. And I think it's because he listens. I think Jesus cries when you cry. I think Jesus' heart gets broken when your heart's broken. I think he's empathetic to a fault. And so if he's around and you're praying and you're calling out, even though he already knows what you're going to say, he listens. And no one ever regrets listening too much. Have you ever regretted talking too much? Yeah? A few of you? A few of you are lying to me saying you haven't. But you're right, you have, right? You, you didn't mean to say it. You just tossed something out. Maybe made a joke. You made a little joke and you thought it was kind of funny in your head, but then when it came out, you could tell it wasn't funny to everybody else. And boy, I wish I could take that back. I wish I could go back. But you've never regretted listening too much, right? Why was I so empathetic? <laughs> why, why did I just sit there and listen, you know? Why did I care so much? I mean, you never regret that. And so James tells us everyone should be quick to listen, quick to really hearing what the other person wants, quick to being interested in the other person. I had a friend, and a couple, a man and a woman in California, we were really close, and, uh, and she was real romantic about things, and, and he, he didn't have that gene or that bone in his body. He tried, but he didn't really have it. And so normally on anniversaries and, and, and birthdays, what he got for her was an apology. Well, I'm sorry, I, I knew it was coming. I'm sorry, I should have got you something. I, I, uh, hey, tell you what, let's go to the store, get whatever you want. That was usually what he did. Hey, let's go to the store, just get whatever you want. You know, and that was because he'd forgot. He always forgot. He's a great guy. He just didn't have that romantic uh, bone in his body. And so, so and it bothered her. And it caused some friction in the relationship, right? So she, she told him one year, hey, let's, let's do better this year. You know, normally I don't say anything, hoping you'll remember, and then you don't remember, and then I'm mad. And we've done that every year. I'm hoping you'll remember you don't. So this year, I'm just going to keep reminding you ahead of time. Hey, it's coming. It means a lot to me. Why don't you think about it and, and get something? Hey, that's a great idea, he said. That would help me a lot. And he meant it. I mean, that would really help me. I, I don't mean to forget. I just do. Okay, great. So they talked about it ahead of time. You know, hey, it's getting pretty close. You need to go get something. Hey, it's getting pretty close. You need to go get something. And, and so the time came, and she had really thought about it, and, and she gave him, like, I don't remember what she even gave him, but some, some really, really thought about it, and she gave him, said, here you go. You know, I just want to give this to you. And he, was, and he said, well, that's just what I wanted. Thank you. He really, he really thought about that too. Well, I got something for you too. And he hands her the present and she opens it. And it's a shotgun with her name carved into the, uh, into the uh, barrel of the, the shotgun. She's not impressed with the shotgun. She says, what's going on? I don't go shooting. Well, I know, but this, we could go hunting together. We could go do this. To, we'd be like a family, go, go together and do this. Wouldn't that be great? She's still not impressed. And it just led to this fantastic argument, and it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and he has no idea why she's mad. 
I mean, he really thought about it. He, he planned. And so now they're in my office, and we're talking about this thing because uh, he can't figure out what he's done wrong, you know? He said, I, I, I normally forget, and this year I really thought about it. Well, the issue was, he said, when we went dating, when we were dating, she would come out when I was shooting and would just go on and on about how fun it was to be out there with me. And she said, I was lying, she said. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean any of that. She said, I was just doing that because we were dating. I was trying to get, but see, there's something, there's something there. Now, there's something there. I want you to think about that for a second. Because when you're dating, right, you go overboard to try to impress the other person. You're trying hard as you can to listen to everything, right? You're trying as hard as you can. But then when you get married, a lot of the shine of that rubs off. Because who can continue that for a whole life? And I'm not telling you to be a slave to the other person. I'm not. I, I, that's not what I'm after here. But, but there's something powerful about that, right? I mean, while they were dating... She had him eating out of the palm of her hand the whole time and had no idea why. Well, this is why. She was interested in what he was interested in. And not because she liked shooting, because she liked him. Right? But then when they're married, then they've got no time for that. And that works both ways. I'm not blaming women for this. Men do that too. And, and, and men, can pers- men, men do it worse, in fact. Men will pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue. That's why he couldn't remember the anniversary. When they were dating, he certainly remembered it. When they were dating, he wouldn't let that get past him. But when you're married, he doesn't think about it any longer. Well, why? Because he knows it's important to her when they're dating, and he's got to impress her. He's selling himself to her while they're dating. When they're married, he doesn't have to work that hard at it. And this notion of of trying to sell yourself to somebody, you know, even as I'm saying this, there could be this this voice in the back of your head raise up and say, I'm not going to be fake. This is not being fake. This is being kind. This is not being fake. This is being nice. That's that's all this is. And when you're quick to listen, it has a way of drawing people towards you. You know, truthfully, just improving this one thing could radically change your marriage if your marriage is not doing as well as you'd like it to do. could radically change your relationship with your kids, especially as the kids get older, more than you think it would. A lot of parents have no idea why their kids... um, as they get older, start to pull away. And, 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 if, and if you're honest, a lot of times it's because the parents start to lose interest in all the different little things the kids are into. And the kids start to lose interest in keeping mom and dad informed about all that. And if we were better about listening, um, some of that goes away. One thing we're working as a church is to disciple people. We, we want to be a church where people who are older and stronger in the faith will disciple the people who are newer and younger and just getting started in the faith. And, and the more that we, we push this, we're hoping that everybody has that. If you're a Christian here, that there's somebody a little further along than you who can help you get where you want to go. And if you're somebody a little further along, it's you're helping somebody behind you come up. But when we talk about this program, a lot of times people will say, well, what would I do? What would I do? How would I do that? And, and this, the, these verses here, that's the key. Just be quick to listen. Ask questions. Ask lots of questions. What, what, what do you think about Jesus? How's your spiritual life going? Do you pray? How's your prayer life? I mean, what's the last thing you prayed for and, and you got it? Or, or what's the last thing you prayed real hard for and, and it didn't come out the way you wanted it to? And how'd you feel about that? And just, and just ask questions. Um, we can get a lot further in relationships if we just get better at this one thing. He says you got to be slow to speak. 
Uh, Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. That's a powerful word right there. Even a fool is thought wise if he doesn't say anything. Have you ever spoken too quickly? There's a, a movie a long time ago called Galaxy Quest, and in the movie Galaxy Quest, it's kind of like a spoof on Star Trek. It's more complicated than that, but it's like that. And, and, uh, and the aliens are all seeking the same super weapon. It's the Omega-13, the Omega and, and, and they talk about it. Oh, it's a super weapon. Oh, man, it's going to do some great things. Buy the super weapon. It's going it's to change everything. Well, when they find out at the end, nobody knows what it does. Nobody ever talks about it, just that it's this super weapon. Then at the end of the time, our heroes find out that all the Omega-13 does is put you back in time 13 seconds. When you hit the button, you go back in time 13 seconds. That's it, they said? What a stupid weapon. Man, there have been days in my life when I would have given $100,000 to be go back in time 13 seconds. 13 seconds would have been enough. You know, in a job interview and you say something immediately, you can tell it's foolish. Man, 13 seconds would have saved my life. We go back 13 seconds and I won't do that next time. You know, with Julia, this thought that I'm just going to toss one more thought out there and 13 seconds would have saved my bacon if I could go back just that much. But there's no time machine. There's no time machine. And so I have to learn that even a fool is thought wise if he shuts up just a little bit. Even a fool is thought to be smarter than he is if he's quiet. Um, I, I have an easier time with that than Julia does. I'm an introvert, and if, especially in a crowd, I, I would rather just watch everybody else talk. Julia's more of an extrovert, and it's easier for her maybe to get in trouble with that because she has a lot of words. Sometimes we get at home at night, she's still got a lot of words, and I don't have very many words left, and we've had some friction about that too. Uh, I, I kind of think that introverts might be more righteous because of that, but if, we're not being legalistic on this thing. It's just, it's just if, if you struggle with it, it's easy for you to toss things out, uh, pay attention to that. Preachers, as a, as a class, people who do what I do for a living, are, are, are typically pretty bad at this, this knowing when to shut up. Uh, people are dying in the crowd, you know, uh, <laughs> and you just keep going on and on and on. Um, it's a hard thing, right? It's a tough thing. I've worked all week long on this sermon, and, and it's just a hard thing. And, and you see people start to pray in the back rows, and they're ducking their heads down, and you just keep going on and on and on. At camp uh, a couple of years ago, we had a, uh, we go to the cave a couple times during the week, and uh, we'll take half of the campers, and we'll all go to the cave, and we'll, we'll sing, and, and uh, be a little devotion. And uh, one of the young guys, uh, 20 years old, uh, who has been part of the camp, he said, hey, I'd like, to do, I'd like to do the teaching this year. Great, that's one less thing for me, so you go, you go do it. And so uh, we got down to the cave, and we, we split the camp into four groups, so you, you had to do it four times. Well, the first time we got down there, he went pretty long. I mean, because you're still standing. You're in a cave, but you're not sitting. The kids won't sit in the mud. They're all still standing, and it's just kind of... It's, you know, you can't really have a long thought there. It needs to be a short thought. And, and he went kind of long, and people are starting to kind of, you know, move around and stuff. And you can tell they're getting tired. So after that was over, say, hey, listen, it's great stuff. You know, really good content. It needs to be a little shorter. You know, you had a lot of good stuff, but I think you went so long they couldn't keep up with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I completely understand. Well, the second time we went down there, he did the same thing. Well, the third time we went down there, and I told him again after the second time, still great stuff, still just a little too long. Third time we went down there, we had a couple of kids in the group uh, who had some issues, and I'm, it's not important, but had some issues, and, 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 and they were causing trouble all week long. 
So we're in the cave, and this guy starts to talk, and he's been talking for about five or ten minutes, and one of those two boys uh, farted loud and long. It really, an impressive work. It, it, it was, and, and it was in a quiet moment, and it echoed, you know, majestically off of all the walls. And, and the kids at first don't know what to do, right? Because we're supposed to be serious. And you hear this low rumble of laughter, right, all over the, over the cave. And, and they're all elbowing each other and, and uh, stuff. Well, there's only one thing for the preacher to do at that point. Good night, everybody. Uh, make your way out to the back. You can't go on. There's no recovering from that. But he tried. He tried. He tried and tried and tried to get them all back. Come on, stay focused. Come back. And there's no coming back. There's no coming back. You know, sometimes when you're talking to people, there's no coming back. You've said too much. You've said enough. Their eyes are glazing over. They're starting to look for the exit. Uh, if, if you're talking to somebody and they've already tossed out three wows, and you're, wow, okay, all right, wow. You know, it's time to move on at that point. If you find that you have to hold people close to keep them there while, they're, while you're talking, they're trying to walk away and you're holding them in there close so they can't get away, uh, it may be that you have a problem. And, and, the, and the thing with those who us, of us who are quick to speak, right, that we, we're always interrupting, and we're always tossing our words out there, and we, and we feel like everybody has to listen to us. And that's a struggle for preachers. It can, even though I'm an introvert, it can be a struggle for me in meetings and stuff like that. The, the, problem, the, the, the problem here is you need to ask yourself, well, why are you doing that? Is it because you're afraid you'll be seen as dumb? Or are you afraid you'll be seen as unimportant? Are you afraid you'll be excluded? I mean, it's fear driving that, right? It's fear that drives a person to just keep going on and on and on and on. And so, so why, what are you afraid of? There's no fear in love, right? If we're, if we're tied to Christ, you've got nothing to fear. So practice being a little quieter on those things. Even a fool's thought wise if he doesn't talk too much. And then the last one there, slow to become angry because human anger doesn't take us where we want to go. I know some people, and you know them too, who just kind of lightly boil all the time. They're just kind of on edge all the time. Now, teenagers show it more than adults do, but adults show it too. But I've just been with teenagers for a whole week, right? And there are some kids, you can just see it on them. They're, just, 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 they're, they're ready to be offended at every moment. Not very many, but there's a few. And, and, and one of my jobs at camp is to enforce the rules. And nobody ever appreciates that, right? Hey, you can't go there. I mean, the kids never say, oh, thanks, we had no idea, right? No, it's always a, there's always a defensive deal. Well, I was just going to do, or I was just going to check out, and, and, uh, and uh, uh, sometimes you got to bark at people. Hey, you can't be out here. You can't be out here. And, and they roll their eyes, and they're mad. And sometimes, because some people use that as a shield, you know, there may be somebody at your workplace. Hey, you need to go talk to, to Chuck about what's going on. I don't want to talk to Chuck. You know what he'll do. I don't, I don't want any part of that. This, this is your problem, not my problem. I don't want to get into that, that headache. You need to go talk to Barbara. Somebody's got to tell her what's going on. I don't want to talk to her. You need to go on her wrong side. You're never coming off. And people use that anger like a shield, right? They use it as a way to keep people at bay. They feel like everybody's unfair to them. They feel like everybody owes them something. You know, a little chip on their shoulder. Nothing ever works out for me. Nothing ever treats me right. Nothing ever, and they're just surrounded by idiots and surrounded by irritants, and they're always defending themselves, you know? 
Oh, the guy I told you about earlier. Hey, you know, you need to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. You need to do this. Yeah, 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 I got it. And, and well, you don't got it. If you did, we wouldn't be talking about it. But, but people who are angry, they always defend themselves. Hey, when you did this here, this was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And, and uh, you do it. We all do it, right? The police officer says, you know how fast you're going? Well, I do, officer, but I was in a hurry. I was late for, well, I had no idea. There's always some excuse, right? It's just so hard to admit that it's just me being stupid that got me into this hole. So we need to learn to trust God more than we trust ourselves. This again goes back to what Tom told us earlier. I need a little more of God and a little bit less of me. A little bit more of what God wants and a little bit less of, of my own instruction. And so for all of these things, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, I want to challenge you today. And it's possible as I went through this that none of this really challenged you. You know, it's not really your problem. You are quick to listen and slow to speak, and you hardly ever get angry. And if that's you, then great. This sermon really wasn't for you. But I bet, I bet that it hit a lot more people than you'd like to pretend. And there's a trick sometimes in sermons, i found, that people uh, come into the sermon, and if they feel bad in the moment, they feel like that's all God's after. You know, they might even tell me that in the foyer. Boy, you really got me, really got me today. Like, that was the whole point. You kicked me in the seat today, like, like that was the, that's all God was after. You get a little momentary jab and then we're done. No, it's, it's really about change. And especially on that last one, the anger thing, if you're finding it, you're just angry all the stinking time, then God can't do anything with you. I don't know how to be more clear about that. If you're, if you're finding that you're just all the time ticked off, you know, some of you are in a marriage that, that's a lot of work. And, and you, you look at him or her, and you're just, you're just constantly irritated and frustrated. Some of you have parents or kids who are a lot of work. Some of you have neighbors who every time you see the neighbor get close to your property line, you're ticked off again because they said something about you or they did something or they borrowed something and never brought it back. or they did. It could be in a thousand things. And just coworkers. You know, you're with that one coworker who's eating pistachios all day long and little shells are flying around or, 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 or you know, they got their music playing just a little too loud and you can't ever concentrate or, or a terrible breath or, or just they're rude or they're just mean. And, and, and so every time you sit down in your cubicle, you're mad before the day starts. God can't do anything with you when you're like that. He can't. You're not filled with the Spirit when you're like that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When you're angry, do you feel any of those things? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you don't, it's safe to say the Spirit of God is not in you moving in that moment. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I mean, when you're angry, you don't feel any of that. You're just boiling and for Christians, especially for Christians, man, we can't let that go on. That's not who we want to be. Well, how do you get rid of it, you might say. Well, that sounds good. I'd like to change. How do I do it? Well, it's not hard. It's not hard. You confess it to God, and you confess it to God every time it happens. And at first, at first, you might confess quite a bit during the day. But if you'll stay faithful with this, you'll find that you confess less every day. 
If you confess, like in a marriage, your husband or wife's just ticking you off all the time, and, and you're always a little bit irritated with them, well, you, you start confessing that. And as you confess it, God, why am I like this? They're just doing the best they can. And even if they're not doing the best they can, you know, even if they're just kind of fumbling and stumbling along there, well, you do that too sometimes. Why am I holding it against them? I wouldn't do that to anybody else. What is it, God, in me that's leading me down this road? And you, you confess it and you ask God to move and you repent when you're wrong. Sometimes, sometimes it may require you to even apologize to somebody. Hey, I, I treated you wrong there. You don't have to get into a lot of detail. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to completely debase yourself. Just, I, I snapped at you there. I shouldn't have. That was wrong. I'm going to tell you, parents, that's a powerful thing to do for your kids. Um, when, you, when you've blown it and cooled down later and you realize you just snapped at them and you barked at them and you shouldn't have, you go back later and say, hey, that, I, I don't know what happened to me there. That's not how I want to be. I'm sorry. That's a powerful thing. I know it requires swallowing your pride a little bit, but, but don't let that run on and on and on. If you're a person who's not slow to speak, um, you're probably not totally aware of it. If you're a person who struggles with that, you're probably not aware of it. So you, you ask a close friend, do you think I talk too much? And what you want to look for is the pause. Hey, Bishop, you think I talk too much? No, you know, no. You look for the pause. And hopefully they'll just tell you the truth. Well, maybe, you know, just a little, that much. Maybe just that much, too much, you know. And if that's the case, then pray about that too. Don't just hear the sermon and walk out of here. Don't just hear the sermon and, and say, well, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Make a decision that you're going to draw close to God. Now I'm going to have the band come back up. We'll give you one other tool you can use if you want to. We'll have some people at both sides here at the end of the service, and they'll pray for you. And you don't even have to tell them totally what's going on. You know, just say, hey, pray for me. Uh, sermon kind of hit me today. Or, hey, just pray for me. I've got some things I'm working on at home or some things at work are tough. And just, just pray for me about that. And they'll pray for you. And it won't go any further than that. We don't keep reports of what you asked them to pray for. You know, you're not going in a secret file or anything like that. Uh, and, and, and people aren't, you know, you always worry people are judging you when you go up and pray. Like they wonder what's going on with them. But even if they did do that, that's their problem. Hey, that's not yours. That's just a tool we offer to you. But don't leave this place and do nothing. If any part of this kind of snapped you a little bit, then, then that's not me. I'm not smart enough to, to do that to you. That's God. So, so respond to it. Pray about it. Ask God to show you what you need to do and start making some adjustments. Won't you stand up? I'm going to pray with you now and then we'll, we'll conclude. Dear God, I thank you for this group. And I do pray for them, God. I ask you to move in, in their hearts. And if there is anybody out here who feels like they could work on this a little bit, then I pray you give them the strength to do it, the willpower to hang in there, courage to ask somebody and to talk about it. God, I thank you that you love us. You're going to be with us, whatever, and I thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you draw us close today. In Jesus' name, amen.